Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, where we talk about all of the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like obesity, anxiety, and health issues. My name is Sarah. Today, I'm hosting my first interview on the podcast. I'm going to be interviewing Tina Wilson. Tina's a longtime friend. We met in high school and even co-hosted a morning radio show together back in university called Shake and Wake. Tina recently published her first children's book called Esposito's Pacific Patch Pirates Fire on the Frontier. She also has spent over 15 years in online sales and marketing. She lives in Hamilton, Ontario with her husband, Tom. Welcome, Tina. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So first question, congratulations on your first book, Esposito's Pacific Patch Pirates. You've always been a great storyteller and your book did not disappoint. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the book and where you got the idea from? Um, thank you so much, Sarah. I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Um, the book was a, more of an exercise to get me to start writing. You know, it had been so long. Um, since I had actually put pen to paper and I was just trying to come up with any idea that I thought would get me writing and it was originally supposed to be a, a sci-fi romance <laughs> but it did it did evolve into what it became today um, which is a children's book and I think what happened was um, the setting was originally supposed to take place in a dystopian future um, where uh, you know, pollution has basically overrun our oceans, uh, which is definitely something that you know it's it's hard to admit is a possibility. And I was definitely, I think, shocked by uh, the teaching tools and the, the cartoons that we were, you know, uh, allowing our children or basically teaching our children to consume, in which we actually had to um, prepare them for these, these, these new things that were happening in the world, like climate change and, and, and industrial pollution. And I think that's what shocked me the most, was, was seeing that on a Saturday morning cartoon. And so my ideas just kind of merged into creating uh, this book that kind of became a, a Mad Max for kids. <laughs> yeah, oh, and for sure. I mean, I certainly remember even when I was reading the book, thinking about some of the ads that I had seen on Facebook, a lot of the ocean cleanups, like it seemed very timely. Even through the UN, there's so much going on in terms of um, cleaning up ocean plastics and stuff. So I think it, it's definitely a fitting, fitting topic. It, it definitely was something that kind of resonated with me. Um, so I, I wrote it, even though, you know, it is uh, geared towards children, I also wanted it to stand out to adults, um, kind of as a, a criticism of uh, the direction that we're headed towards. You know, we shouldn't have to have these types of materials. We shouldn't have, we shouldn't, be in a position where we need to teach the future generations about these things because we shouldn't be in these positions in the first place. So that's how I truly felt about it. And that's, that's how that, uh, kind of that work kind of evolved. Yeah, no, and totally agree. And we shouldn't rely on them to fix it. Right. Like it's, it's kind right? of sad. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. So that's how I felt. Yeah. 
Uh, so as you might know, I've been working on editing and publishing my own first book, and it's definitely a process. Mine's a middle grade novel, so kind of a similar age group, I guess. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your publishing process? It's a little bit of a selfish question for me, but um, and <laughs> give us any tips that you might have for someone that's a first time author. Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, the entire process is very painful. <laughs> That's yes, how I yes. would describe it in one word. It's pain. Um, it's um, it's it's very hard um, to to get through all of the administration that you have to um, undergo and apply to become uh, published, um, whether it's self-publishing. Or whether it is through an agency, um, there it's a very humbling process. That is for sure. Um, there, when if trying to find an agency, um, I, I definitely learned that rejection is a thing. Yeah, I know. I've sent you those texts of like another rejection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, it taught me taught me a lot. And so I considered it. I considered it like a humbling experience, um, but at the same time, it was such a wonderful learning experience um, because it gave me uh, the determination and fortitude to carry on and keep going. And it also gave me, uh, provided me tools that I, I had to learn from you know all of this self knowledge that I was acquiring um, to make me a tougher writer. And I think that's something that is very important for writers to learn is you have to, you're going to have to get tough. Mm -hmm. It's going to, it's a, it's a very competitive environment out there. Um, it's very, the industry itself is very brutal and, um, and it's because it's just so saturated with so many writers Mm -hmm. that, you know, um, agencies and publishers are like have the ability to uh to pick and choose yeah so really it's um uh very eye-opening um especially since i had no no knowledge of the industry beforehand i I come from a completely different industry so if you don't have any networking um uh, you know, uh, networks established, if you don't have um, any prior knowledge as to how the industry actually works, it's a huge learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but at the same time, I'm, again, I'm really grateful that I went through it because I learned a lot about the industry and I know that there's going to be more for me to learn and I feel much more prepared uh, to, to take to take the industry on. I, I, those were my, you know, first steps wading into the murky waters unknown. Um, and with, you know, plenty of uncertainty and, um, I'm glad I did it. I'm really glad I do it. Sorry that I did it. And so one of my tips for any, you know, new writers who are out there who are worried about doing it, just do it. You have to plow through the weeds. Yeah. (laughs) There's so many weeds and you have to hack at a path. Um, you're going to learn so much um, from it. And then uh, if, um, 
if you decide to go your own route uh, and and self-publish, then you're going to have to learn how to market. Yeah, <laughs> so oh, for sure. Take that on as well. So it's a it's it's kind of it's very exciting. It's very exciting. It can be very overwhelming. It can be very frustrating. It, it's the whole gamut, and um, I think that's why I love it. it kind of has a little bit of everything. Yeah, no, I can totally identify with the humbling too, especially because, um, you, you know, I've been relatively successful within my career path. And so you sort of feel like, oh, I'm getting older. I know what I'm doing. And then it's like, oh, but yeah. I don't I don't know what I'm doing in this. <laughs> and so it was a yeah, little bit exactly. like, yeah, definitely. I think humbling is a great word. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I thought I was going to retire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this is going to be amazing, but... Yeah, yeah. No, and so, and that is actually something that I think, uh, from what I read uh, from, you know, forums and groups, I think that's also very important for writers is get acquainted with the industry, get acquainted with whatever tools are available to um, help you um, get to know people, um, get to know people who are in the industry or trying to get into in, in the industry, because then you can relate and understand through other people's experiences and you won't feel as isolated. Mm. Um, uh, that's very important. Like, it, do you do like conferences or Facebook groups or what kind of stuff? Really? I, I focus on forums, like discussion forums. Mm. And those are mainly, uh, online there, uh, there was one particular, uh, database that I went to that also had a uh, forum group. So I think it was, uh, it was an online agency forum yeah. and, um, to find, uh, and, and send manuscripts to agencies. And they, they also had a variety of chat groups. I also rely on Reddit a lot. Their mm-hmm. sub, uh, their subreddits for our writing, um, is excellent because people, you know, share, um, you know, the process that they're going through, where they're at at this particular time, questions, answers. You you really feel like you're part of a community, mm-hmm. and you're you're getting all this information. Um, and volunteering, I'm volunteering with Gritlet Hamilton um, is also a, a great opportunity as well. So just putting yourself out there. And, and trying to make as many contacts as possible uh, to get to learn the industry as much as you can because we're currently not in the industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Um, and, and this kind of goes with you, but I, I would definitely describe you as a creative person. And I, one of my favorite books is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And it really changed how I thought about creativity. So I see creators as makers and I would definitely uh, have never considered myself creative but I am a maker I've always liked to cook I've always liked to um, you know even sew and and do little projects and so even woodworking but um, making things is kind of like a a key piece of creative and so I wondered anything that you're also currently creating right now besides writing yeah, absolutely. It's it's interesting that you bring up, uh, you know, tangible things. So writing is, is 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 a different form of creativity, and I'm working on metal smithing right now. So that's another that's another hobby that I'm developing, and um, 
basically making you know cute little keychains mm-hmm. and so I took a I took a jewelry a few jewelry courses uh, back in the fall and got all my tools for Christmas uh, from my husband so that was that was great and and got started on that and it's a completely completely different process mm-hmm. um, and I, I think even if you're sewing or, or making dinner or you know trying out a new recipe it is very creative it's just a different type of yeah. creativity you know this is a different uh, let's say with the metal smithing it's a completely different form of expression mm-hmm. um here we have it's a tactile and it's a visual medium so i'm conveying my message in one shot i'm not using uh, I, I need people to know the message as soon as they see the item and so that is a completely different experience and the practice that goes into kind of perfecting your cuts you know uh hammering the rivets all of these things take practice and time and Mm -hmm. it's 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 very meditative as well yeah Um, yeah there's something about having well and even in the book she talks about like um people that are involved in agriculture and stuff growing food and I thought yeah okay for sure like you know you make a tomato like it it really fits it but you know it fits this whole like able to have something that you're proud of and you can hold at the end of the day right absolutely absolutely yeah I couldn't agree more cool um, so I guess let's switch gears a little bit. So similarly to me, I know that you have anxiety as you've opened up over the years to me about that. And in fact, you were one of the first person that I knew that identified anxiety kind of as a thing. You know, growing up, I always had like feelings of certain, but I didn't really know what that was. And so it took me like a lot of years to really figure out that some of what I was experiencing was something and it was anxiety. And you definitely made it feel real to me and like something that, you know, real people talked about because, you know, you were a real person that I knew. So I'm wondering, you know, over the years, if there are any practices that you would want to share in terms of managing or overcoming your anxiety, because that's kind of a big focus of this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it was a long, long process. And and like you said before, it was very difficult to recognize, um, you know, that the feelings that I was having when I was young, and I'm sure that it started around 13 or 14 for me, definitely when puberty hit. Mm -hmm. um, And, and, you know, those hormones hit, and they, they hit every person differently. And I'm, I'm more than sure that's when the anxiety started because when I look back, I can recognize those thought thought patterns that were occurring and kind of became habitual for me as, as time went on and I never realized exactly what was happening or what I was going through. Um, and, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned to you before, you know, even though that you and, um, our other girls you guys were best friends for me um however you know I was terrified being alone with either one of any one of you um because of the pressure of having a conversation with someone one-on-one was so intense it Mm -hmm. would just lock me up it was incredible Mm -hmm. and I didn't I knew I I knew that there was something wrong but I could never put my finger on it and it 
we didn't really have, you know, the resources no. available. And it was hard for me to express what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even to my parents who, you know, we had had, you know, um, experiences with another family member and we were still not able to recognize that maybe I was going through something similar. Um, and a lot of that had to do with me and internalizing my anxiety and which created even more anxiety. (laughs) So once I got into my twenties, um, it was a little out of control. Uh, and, and I, I just, I just, you know, I, I forgive my younger self uh, a lot more than I used to. I'm not as hard on, my, on myself as I used to be um, because I realized the effects that anxious thinking and anxious thought had on me, and they were quite profound. And, you know, I, I didn't get this sorted until my early 30s. It wasn't until I was 33 I finally went um, to cognitive behavioral therapy because I was at my lowest point. I was with my husband, Tom. I was always worried about him, you know, finding out about this kind of dark recess in me. And, you know, you can't hide that from a significant other when Mm -hmm. you're spending all your time with them yeah no day and (laughs) night for sure if it's going to happen it's going to happen and so I realized that medication was not enough you know I've been on medication for since I was 20 and I knew that I had to do something so um my first tip or for anyone who, who might be struggling with anxiety is you have to be honest with yourself first. Um, you have to be honest with yourself and you have to be vulnerable for, for this process to work. And what I mean is when you go, um, if you think something's up, if you think that there might be an issue that's affecting your life and affecting the quality of your life, go see a professional. It's, it's not easy it's not enough to speak with family members personally or friends although they can be great therapeutic outlets friends and family who are not involved in the health industry or especially the mental health industry don't have the tools yeah yeah and and they haven't been trained they don't know what your brain can do to you the brain is very sneaky it does what's easiest most of the time and it does what it's used to. So if it's used to anxious thinking, you can't just say, Oh, stop thinking that way. Why are you thinking that? You know, so family and friends, while they mean well, do not have the understanding or the tools to actually be able to guide you. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you think that you might need help, seek a professional. Yeah. Um, yeah, seek someone who has the training, and then when you see them, be completely honest with them. Be mm-hmm. honest with yourself and with them, and that's where being vulnerable comes in. Because it's very, it can be very difficult for us to admit certain things about ourselves, um, and even if we're wrong about <laughs> ourselves. Yeah. The thing is, don't hold back. Because that only hinders your progress. When you are 
letting the professional know about what's bothering you, what's really bothering you, you're giving them clues to figure out the problem. So when I say you might not even be correct about how you feel about yourself, what you're saying, what you feel about yourself is a clue to the professional to let them know how they can help you. So being honest is uh, number one. Uh, my second uh, tip would be once you are given the tools by your healthcare professional um, to, to help yourself through the process of feeling better, use them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> use them. And sometimes they might seem very, um, you, you might you might think that they're too simplistic. Mm-hmm. You know, some some of these tools, you, you, you would think, well, anybody would do something like that. But the thing is, you have to practice. Yeah. And the or reason that you're... Sometimes yeah. I would think like, well, I can just do it in my head. Like, I don't need to journal this or I don't need to fill out this yeah. chart or like, I don't, you right. know what I mean? Like, I, I'm fine. I got right. this, right? And it's like, right. no, you do. You need no. to, you need to use yes. the tools. <laughs> yes, you need to use the tools. Exactly. There's a reason why you need to journal it. There's a reason yeah. why you need to do the chart because then the healthcare professional can see this visible evidence mm-hmm. and and then they can point things out to you. Well, okay, so why did you think that? And, and what kind of behavior did that result in? And if you thought this, would there be a difference? Mm-hmm. So you have to have that tangible evidence in order um, – in order to to figure out the roadmap that you're you know that you're going to need to get better, um, one of the things that helped me what helped me the most um, to counter uh, my own personal cognitive dissonances because there were quite a few of them was uh, my mantra, and so that my mantra was where's the proof so. With anxiety, I was, you know, I was coming up with all of these insane questions in a minute's time. Anxiety is exhausting. Mm-hmm. It is mentally exhausting because you are constantly analyzing, hyperanalyzing every possible minute of your day. Every possible interaction mm-hmm. um, is being analyzed uh, in your head. You're asking questions. Why did they raise their eyebrow? Why did their tone just change? Do they want to talk to me? Why don't they want to talk to me? All of these questions uh, that your your mind... Well, these were mine in particular. Yeah, yeah no, no, for sure. I've had those. Speaking of my own experience. And, and so what happens is that totally robs you of the moment. There's no way that you could possibly relax around anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're... And, and it's a transactional experience because you're removed from the experience you can't relate to anybody and then you're getting anxious because you can't relate to anybody and you're not in the moment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and you feel left out or whatever and you're like oh yes yes exactly and and so so it's 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 totally and it's cyclical it just doesn't Mm -hmm. stop so I think uh my the mantra that I came up with when I was working with my with my therapist, who was just absolutely just wonderful, and it only took eight weeks, yeah, <laughs> which was yeah, amazing that's... to change my life. It wasn't that much time, right? Um, and uh, uh, she, so my mentor, yes, was where's the proof? Where's the proof? So she raised her eyebrow, or changed her tone, or maybe she looked away. 
where's the proof that it has anything to do with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> and, true. Right? And, and where, if, if there's no, would that proof, if there, if I think there's proof, would that stand in court? Like, would that actually, you know, create a conviction of thought? You know, if it, would that, you know, turn the jury? And so that was my counter thought. Uh, to all, every, uh, <laughs> it was a lot of work mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> because you had to recognize, mm-hmm. you had to recognize the cognitive dif- uh, dissonance. So every time that you had these negative thoughts, you had to recognize it first. And once you recognize it, then you had to counter it and you had to practice, mm-hmm. practice, 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 and constantly put that in place. And the majority of the time when you're practicing this, you're realizing this, no, I don't have the proof. I actually, I actually don't have, I don't know what's wrong. And then it turns out there's absolutely nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And Or they're not changed. even thinking about you. Yeah. They're not even thinking about you. Yeah. And that was a beautiful thing that uh, unlocked me of my anxiety. It really made a significant change. Um, by practicing and being dedicated to the tools that I was provided allowed me to change my entire perspective. It allowed me to relax. It allowed me to enjoy my life and enjoy the people in it. Mm -hmm. And so I really do feel that there was, you know, uh, there was my life before those eight weeks and then there was my life after those eight weeks wow and it's yeah a, it, it's 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 like a stunning a stunning change um that i'm very aware of and i don't know if other people are aware of it because i know we we've spoken before and you you said i always seemed very confident and i i think i had a very good facade <laughs> a very yeah. strong well, it's Strong true. I mean, what on. what we put out there isn't always, yeah, what we're feeling inside. So I could yes. see that. But no, for sure, you were always super confident and uh, loving all those things. So, um, so it's not to say that I wasn't, that wasn't, you know, typically me 100% of the time, but there was always, you know, and I felt most comfortable around you guys. Um, that's for sure. Um, but there was always that undercurrent mm-hmm. of anxiety. Uh, it was always, it was always there. Uh, whereas now, you know, I, I still have my triggers mm-hmm. definitely, but now I, I, I have turned these tools into habits that I'm able to immediately attack the anxiety and it, it feels really good. That makes sense. I know we both took the mindfulness-based stress reduction course that teaches um, John Kabat-Zinn's Full Catastrophe Living, and a lot of that course focused on habits. So I took it before I did CBT. I'm guessing you did as well. I did it after. You did it after. Okay. Yes. And so, yeah, absolutely. Like the meditation, the yoga, like there's so many habits that they try and ingrain in that course and are you still finding those useful today absolutely a hundred percent um you know i was really grateful for taking that course and um it definitely the mindfulness is it 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 works you know hand in hand with the cbt therapy Mm -hmm. i think those two um tools were were very uh 
excuse me, close to each other, Yeah, uh, very interrelated. And so it really helps me on a daily basis uh, practice, you know, mindfulness. And I might not take the time out to do a 10-minute session, even though I feel I should. You know, you always want to get back into mm-hmm. um, these things that you know will help you. I still um, take time every day in what I'm doing. Um, I, I try to create that mindfulness um and and enlist what i learned in that course mm-hmm. so yeah definitely it, it helped a lot good um so i yeah totally appreciate all of your honesty and your thoughts so any parting thoughts for our listeners on slaying their beasts uh you know absolutely um you know, we're all going to feel bad at certain points. There's going to be there's going to be anxiety. There's going to be times that are going to to tax us. Um, and one thing that I loved about John Kabat-Zinn is that we need to recognize these emotions, feel them, and learn to have them work for you. Um, you know, I, I went off my anxiety and antidepressants a little over a month ago uh, for my pregnancy. Yay! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so that was definitely um, um, a, a, not anxiety inducing, but that was a challenge for me because I had been on this medication for more than 20 years uh, or 20 years actually. And I am actually, you know, pretty proud mm-hmm. of, of where I'm at, you know, I I feel really good about you know being as um, really a, a participant in my own mental well-being. Uh, I think uh, I <laughs> I was very I was worried about what what was going to happen. There's a lot of uncertainty um, um, that's going to happen. Um, there's going to be a lot of uh, intense emotion that I've been encountering with this pregnancy. Right. But because I feel so grateful and dedicated to the tools that I've been provided, and because I use them on a daily basis and I practice, 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 I feel prepared. And I feel ready for any fight that's to come mm-hmm. in case that in case that beast decides to wake up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. Oh, and so Thanks. exciting. Congratulations. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. <laughs> Wonderful. Very well, exciting. it was so good talking to you. Where can people find out more about you? I'm guessing your book is available online. Yes, it's available on Amazon. Esposito's Pacific Patch Pirates. Fire on the Frontier. <laughs> Perfect. So and, look it up and, have a look. and follow on Instagram. Well, yes, I, I have a, I have a, an, an account. It's Tina with eight A's and a W. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so feel free to look me up. Awesome. <laughs> Okay, perfect. Well, thanks to everybody for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast and super thanks to Tina Wilson for coming on and being my first guest. Uh, If you're interested in finding out more about me, you can follow the podcast or you can visit my blog at 
www.theallergybeast.wordpress.com and follow on Instagram at Sarah, S-A-R-A, Lady Gluten, L-A-D-Y-G-L-U-T-E-N on Instagram. Thanks a lot and see you next week.